0: You think about this, that technology, every time it's introduced into our society or into a culture, when it's adopted and begins to come a part of your life, it begins to change you, how you do life and how you think and how you perceive things. And so over the next few weeks, that's the question that we're going to be dealing with is how has technology changed you? I mean, think about fire. We, that was initially, that was a new technology. And as we began to understand what that was and the power that came with fire, It changed how they lived and how they did life, or even something as simple as the wheel that we take for granted that we can put four wheels on a vehicle and gas it up and go for miles and miles and miles. But back in the day when a wheel was invented, all of a sudden now they could move heavy things from one place to another, and they could build, and they could do a variety of different things that they never could have done before. Also this thing called the printing press that now we can mass communicate that we can print something over and over and over again. And so that is where the gospel actually began to spread rapidly again. And the Reformation and the Enlightenment happened because of the printing press. The simple thing of slapping a piece of paper together and reprinting the same words over and over allowed us to spread the gospel, spread truth all over the world through something simple. And even today, we still use the printing press. What about this crazy thing called a camera? All of you have got a camera on your smartphone now, but there was a day in time where that was a unique thing, and it would make this really loud noise of poof and smoke would happen. And this magical thing would happen, and they would see something or see someone, and you could now capture historical figures or moments in history throughout time, and it could be shown wherever you went. You could show a picture of yourself or your kids or your grandkids. you remember those Moments where you used to carry pictures in your wallet, you see those things, and someone would say, hey, do you have any kids or grandkids, and somebody would go, and they roll out that little plastic sheet of photos. You remember those days? Those of you that are laughing, I know your age, okay? Cars, the automobile, the horseless carriage, we no longer have to feed a horse to get around. Now we have this little small engine, and we're able to automate it in such a way that the common man could have a car and go to and fro. And because of that, we now have dirt roads and highways and super highways all over the world because of an automobile. And we can go places in an automobile that we never would have thought that we could go in a short amount of time. Even the radio. People used to gather around a radio and listen to their favorite shows like the Green Hornet or Amos and Andy and and different things, and that was an opportunity again for mass communication. What the printing press did for communication, the radio even expanded it further. You could now be in New York or in Dallas, and you could talk to people all over the world in real time because of the radio technology. Some of you have these things on you now called a phone. In the old days, they actually used to be attached to a wall, and you'd have to have a really long cord to take it to the bathroom or your room so your parents couldn't listen in on your conversations. And uh, But they used to be attached, and so you remember these days, you could actually go to dinner and not have to worry about answering your phone. It's crazy to think about, but that was what it used to be like. You actually had to be near a phone in your house or at work to actually receive a telephone call, or the invention of the television. We went from black and white to now we've got 120, 240-inch screens in our house, and uh, the TVs are great. And so that's a great invention. Now we have this thing. I remember in college, I was sitting there in my dorm room, and I'm looking out, and they're tearing up the, the grass, and they're moving all kinds of stuff around, and I'm like, what in the world is happening? And they're like, Al Gore's invented the internet, and it's here. And so we were excited about all of that, and so the internet was there, and, and, uh, but that has changed our life, the ability to stream, to see, to do, to Zoom even think about this, during COVID, we would not be able to do school and some of the things that we're trying to do now if it wasn't for this invention technology called the internet. And then last but not least, obviously, many of you have your smartphones, and so You've got all kinds of contraptions on the smartphone. You can call, you can take pictures, you can do a variety of different things. And the smartphone now is attached to you. Many of you, if you leave the house and you don't have your smartphone on you, you will turn around and go back because you need to have your smartphone because it is your life. Many of you can't even remember phone numbers anymore because they're all in your smartphone. I'm one of those. And I know people that they're going to like, oh, I can remember my phone number from third grade. I was like, I don't even remember being in third grade. So that's awesome. But every piece of technology impacts us and it changes us. It shapes us. And so this morning I want us to think about this idea of how is technology changing you? Now, I love technology and I wholeheartedly believe I'm praying for every guy in this church that you should have a 120 inch TV or bigger. Okay, I'm I'm all for that. You should be able to see whatever sport, play whatever game, do whatever you want to do, and it should be lifelike. Like Like you should feel like you want to tackle the TV because it looks that real. I love technology. So this is not an anti-technology message. This is a pro-wisdom message. That technology is a good thing and it's useful and it's resourceful and we can be more productive and more connected than ever before, but it also is, on the flip side, there's some darkness to it. And for us to capture it and govern it, we can accomplish more with the technology that we have today than we could ever accomplish before. Just think about it. You can pull out your smartphone and have it there before you. And listen, you can read a book on your smartphone. Not many of us do, but you can. You can take a picture. You can make a 3D picture. You can do all kinds of interesting things with that. You can find your destination or find your family members. You can get an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi. You can even level pictures within your house using your smartphone. You can get groceries delivered to your front door. They can ring the doorbell, and you never even leave the couch. That's how good groceries are. You can get a date or lose a date on smart technology. You can go to the bank. You can get stuff with you in the bank. You can get transactions or get money from your phone. You can find a friend or lose a friend. You can tweet or Insta or Snapchat you can TikTok, make yourself famous, and you can YouTube. In 1997, the number one thing or the number uh, number one thing that nine through eleven-year-olds wanted was something other than fame. It was actually number 15 on their list. When they said, "What are your things that you want? What are priorities in your life?" At, in 1997, nine through eleven-year-olds said the fifteenth thing we wanted is fame. This past year, the most recent poll of nine to eleven-year-olds, the number one thing that they wanted, they craved, the desired, they needed was fame. And that is because of our YouTube culture, our TikTok culture. We've created this thing of we want to be famous for being famous. We want to be able to do and and put out and put out content and create things so that people can see us and applaud us and get money. I mean, there's a a seven-year-old kid from Asia that's making 20-something million dollars a year because his parents are putting him, opening up presents and gifts and toys. And he's saying, whether he likes it or not, he's making money off of that. Famous. Even this past week I read about a young man who gave up his life because of his YouTube and TikTok followers began to drop and his, his uh, desire for fame was such and he couldn't keep up the creativeness and what it took to be famous that he took his life because he couldn't see anything past the future, in the future for himself because of that. We've created a monster with technology and thinking about what kind of world and how does our technology change us and shape us. With each screen that we have in our life, there's more opportunities for connections and more opportunities for productivity. We've even seen it during COVID-19 that you can have a Zoom call on your iPad or on your computer and you can have your smartphone and you're doing multiple things. And so you're able to have more connections around the world and be be more productive at the same time. But also with each screen that's introduced into our life also gives us opportunities for more isolation. You've seen it in your own home or you've seen it around where maybe you go to dinner or maybe even in your own house that you have this huge TV screen and somebody's watching a movie, but every person around the couch has got their phone or their iPad and they're engaged in some other activity, not even what they're there. So as a family, you're connected by watching that show, watching, but you're all doing something different, so you're isolated. We think that because we're in the same room and having presence with one another that we're actually doing relationship, and we're not. So that these screens, each one that we introduce into our life has an opportunity to separate us and create more isolation. Again, this is not an anti-technology message. This is a message about wisdom and discernment. And what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to, to receive the technology that's there before us, to use it to be more productive, to spread the gospel, but also at the same time, what are we to not do with it and how can we be governors of it and stewards of the wonderful things that God puts before us. A Wall Street Journal article this week said that the smartphone has changed our lives more than any other piece of technology that's ever been introduced into mankind. And when you think about it, it has radically changed our world. When is the last time that you could put down your smartphone and walk away for a day, much less an hour, and be okay with it? But there's this sense of guilt that is built into some of us at this point that we have to be always on. And so if someone ever say, hey, I'm tired and I'm busy, one of the reasons is because we're an always-on culture. Even teenagers and 10- and 11-year-olds are 24-7 on. They have to be connected all the time because of a smartphone. And it's making us a culture that's tired and busy. The amount of information that we receive in one day is more than most of our grandparents and great grandparents received in an entire year. And so that we have information overload. That we have all of this stuff that's streaming into our minds, into our psyches, and that we think we can't separate psychologically the fact that something's happening in Burma, the difference between Burma and LaGrange, Texas. So when we see something happen in Burma and we stream that into our lives, we receive it in our compassion. And us says we need to do something and then something happens in our own hometown and we receive it and we have to do something. So all this information is coming in and how God has created us is to not be able to receive all that stuff. We have compassion, empathy overfill and we're fatigued. And so we're tired and busy, not even necessarily from doing something, but from receiving so much information that we don't know what to do with. Again, it's not an anti-technology message. It's a message about wisdom for us. And how do we maybe just shut off the smartphones, shut off the things that we're consuming and bringing in that's making our souls tired? And how can we be the best possible follower of Jesus that we can possibly be? If you love 4G and its connectivity... It's like a dirt road compared to 5G. 5G is supposed to be an eight-lane superhighway of information coming at us at a rapid speed. And so just think, if we're not able to handle 4G, what's 5G going to be like for our lives and for our teenagers and for us to be able to say, technology is wonderful, but how is it changing us and making us tired and fatigued and not able to truly experience the fullness of life that God has for us? It can give us more productivity. It can give us more connectivity, but also can isolate us. If you look at the social stats as a culture, there's more depression, there's more anxiety, there's more struggle with all of those mental things, and it's a lot of it they're tying back to this device called the smartphone. Because even though we're isolated, we have this filtered life idea, and we see someone's perfect life, and we don't understand, we don't... Again, we can't fully grasp the reality of, look, that's what they look like filtered, but behind the scenes, they're a mess. They're struggling with this and this and this, and their home life is this. But all we see is the filtered life, and our inner being desires that. And so we crave it, and we pursue it, and we push other things aside. And so we wonder why our life is is lacking and voidless and, and like a vapor, and it's because we're pursuing a filtered life, not an authentic life. And most of us, we don't really ever put out our authentic life. If I were to go through your Facebook or your Instagram, we put out the best pictures. You don't put out the mess. Like you don't take pictures of your house where your kids are doing whatever they're doing and you're pulling your hair out. You don't put those. You put the little, oh, my kids, look at Christmas. For five seconds, they're sitting still. Right? That's the filtered life. When the rest of the time you're like, I don't know, these kids need Jesus. (laughs) I'm about to like introduce them close and intimately. And that's humanity. But somewhere we buy into this and we struggle with keeping up with the Joneses. All because of this crazy thing called technology. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11. And the first thing that I want you to get, I mean, this is a really simple message. The first thing that I want you to get out of this, this idea of how is technology changing you, the first thing is this, don't be a Nimrod. That's principle number one. Do not be a Nimrod. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, that's biblical, okay? That's biblical. Do not be a Nimrod. In Genesis chapter 10, there's after the flood, God's showing the people of, what how the lineage began that's important to the jewish people so he's talking about the lineage after the flood and in verse 8 of chapter 10 it says this cush was also the answer, uh, the ancestor of nimrod it was the first heroic warrior on earth now you know let's let's be honest if if we were named nimrod we would want to be like yeah i'm strong i'm the greatest warrior right because nobody wants to be named nimrod but he was and he found his place he was a heroic warrior Verse 9, since he was the greatest hunter in all the world, his name became proverbial. Now, wait a second. Now, most of us, when we think of don't be a Nimrod, we think of not something positive. But right here in chapter 10, it's like, hey, this is a good guy. He's the greatest warrior on earth. He's a strong man. Everybody wants to be like Nimrod. Hold on. People would say, Let's, this man is like Nimrod, the greatest hunter in the world He built his kingdom in the land of Babylonia with the cities of Babylon and Iraq and Akkad and Kalna. This guy Nimrod, the greatest warrior, became a king. And he oversaw the land of Babylon and some other different areas. And so he was this highly sought after, intelligent, great warrior leader, everything that you think a king should be. And because of that, because of the land that they had, they began to to develop something. And they came up with a new technology. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylon and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Yep. Yep. That's the technology, a brick. And all of y'all are going, a brick? That's technology, a brick? Think about it. Let's put ourselves back into their day. They were, if they were going to build something that was sturdy, they were going to take stones and they were going to kind of put them together and try to find the right way. And so at best they could build a wall, a little bit of a wall, but the fear of it could shift, something would happen and it would collapse on them because it had to be perfect in their building, in their architecture, in their engineering. And so to build something of any height was unimaginable. So here Nimrod gets together with some guys and they find the right dirt and they fire fire this up and they find bricks. And they're like, hey, wow, if we build these things the same size and they're hard and now we find something to kind of put something there and so now they have tar and they begin to stack them, we can build something unimaginable that no one else has ever seen. A brick. Now, they're really proud of this brick, okay? Just like you're proud of your smartphone and your 120-inch TV. So what do they say? Come, let us build a great city for ourselves. With a tower that reaches to the sky, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So the heartbeat of, hey, we've got a brick, and this is great technology. We can use it for ourselves, and hey, let's go. This is the first Acme brick salesman. You could go somewhere to city to city to city and share, hey, here's this wonderful technology. Instead of sharing it, they said, hey, let's keep it to ourselves, build it for us, and literally the Scripture says so that we can become like God and make ourselves famous. That's been the struggle for humanity since the garden, to be like God. Think about it. Adam and Eve in the garden had everything there for them. Everything was great, and then all of a sudden they made a decision, and the decision was based upon a lie that they believed, and so they believed that they could eat of a tree, and if they ate of that tree, what would happen? They would be like God. And that's our struggle. That's been the struggle since the garden. That was the struggle here, even with a simple brick. It's been a struggle with every piece of technology, invention that's been incorporated into a culture, is it allows us in some moments to make us feel like God and that we govern ourselves and the world around us. When reality, we've flipped it upside down. And that's whenever we flip it upside down. That's when technology, that's when inventions That's when we get addicted to things because we think we're in control. And instead of governing things and being steward of things, it owns us and governs us. So some of you have bought a smartphone and you're like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. And that was version 8 and you've paid $1,000 for it and you're still making payments on it. And so the very thing that made you cool three years ago is not cool anymore, but you're still paying for it. You know what that means? That means that owns you. It governs and it stewards you. You don't own it. And so we do that in our lives all of the times. We allow things to govern us and steward us and own us instead of us stewarding it and owning it. And so technology is a good thing. The Internet is a good thing. You have access to all kinds of stuff that have never been at our fingertips before. But then there's also things that have never been at our fingertips before that we have access to that are not for us. And let's be honest, there's a lot of stuff on the internet that owns us that we would have never allowed into our houses before. Technology can be good, but it can be owning us. Don't be a Nimrod. Keep your technology, keep the things that God's provided for you in perspective, that it's to... To bring life it's to make you productive it's to help with relationships and connect you Because think about this that if that if in reality we use our technology well It makes us more productive and it connects us better That means in reality an eight-hour workday could easily become four-hour workday So if that's true if your eight-hour workday becomes a four-hour workday because now you're more productive Then that should give us more time with family That should give us more time to volunteer that should give us more time to study other things and to become better students and go to college and do, learn other things. It should make us better people. But in reality, for most of us, technology owns us and we're bound by it. So, yes, we may get done in four hours. But we spend, we spend another eight wasting it. And so, again, it owns us and not owning When's the last time you laid your smartphone down by your nightstand when you got home from work and you just left it? (laughs) And you did not check it till the next morning. Some of you would crawl up in a fetal position. Because you're that important. Because you think you're God. You know what I'm saying? You think that you're that important that you have to be on 24-7. No one else can be on 24-7 but God. And we try to be God. Why are we tired and busy? Because we're letting our technology govern us instead of governing it. I'm going to challenge you this week. One of the things I want you to do is to try this. Set your phone down during dinner and just talk. Walk into restaurants in town all the time, and there's a family, four, five, six, twelve, whatever. And there's no engagement, there's no conversation. They may even be texting each other. Right? It owns us. Let's admit it. That's the first deal. Let's let's admit it, that it owns us and begin to set it down. And I know sometimes there are seasons where you have to be near your phone because you're waiting for something important. But most of the time it's not. And there are at least some hours in the day where you can say, I can set aside a couple of hours to spend with my family. And we're going to have dinner. We're going to play a game. We're going to talk. And 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 for some of us, we're actually afraid of what it might mean to ask a question of our kids or family because we might get an answer that we don't like. And I think that's at the core. as we struggle with our own self-image. And so we've got this little piece in front of us that we can separate and we can kind of do life and we can filter it like we want because we're not really figuring out how to do this with real people so it's much easier for us, even with our own families and friends, to do a filtered life than an authentic life. Don't be a Nimrod. The second thing is that we are to exercise our stewardship or governorship over all creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. In other words, we are the image bearers of God so that wherever we go and whatever we do, we are the image bearers of him. There is nobody else in all of creation that has the responsibility or has the opportunity to have a relationship with God like we do. So your dog, you love your dog and your cat, those are great, but they cannot have a relationship with God like you can because they don't have the same soul capacity. So that's just what The author of genesis is telling us is that you are made in the image of god And so it's not just physical things, but it's a soul relationship thing We can talk with him and he can talk with us and we can agree together male and female he created them Then god blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it So this is where god's handing out job descriptions So as the image bearers of God, our responsibility is to be stewards of, to govern all creation. So we oversee it. We make sure that it's running according. We didn't create it, but we're the stewards of it as his image bearers. Now he's giving job descriptions to the rest of creation. And what's he say? Reign over the fish in the sea. The fish have a job. What do they do? All right. School's in session. What do fish do? They swim. Okay. Well, we could swim for a little bit. But we can't swim like fish. Fish do fish. Now, they're tasty, so we can govern over that. But we also still have a responsibility we can't fish all the fish because then there won't be fish. You see what I'm saying? And so God's got job descriptions for fish. He's got job descriptions for birds. What do birds do? Fly. And so some of you know this is the season where some birds, you want them to fly because they're tasty too, right? And so you've got a four-legged animal that you've taught to, like, Hunt and go and get those things up so you can shoot them because they're tasty. You are in that moment, you are governing and stewarding. You are being an image bearer of God. So the same thing that you do with other parts of creation, the same is true with our technology, whether it's our phone, our internet, whatever. We are stewarding it. We're governing it. It can feed us or it can, we can abolish and it can be Horrible consequences for us. Even think of the wildfires in California and Colorado. One of the main reasons that's happening is it's stewardship and governorship. And so a fire, when contained, is powerful. Provides light and warmth and the ability to feed. But a fire outside, devastates. The same is true with all the other technology God has given us. So when it's contained in the right capacity, and the right boundaries, it brings light and life and productivity and it's healthy outside those confines. It devastates. Put your technology in a proper place. As the image bearer of God, you govern and steward those things in life. We have a sacred job okay? to steward and govern all of creation. This is really salvation, right? This is really a salvation thing. Is that in those moments when we think that we're God and we're in control, and it all goes to heck in a handbasket, we cry out for help God, I've let the fire out of the boundaries, and it's devastating. That's the cry of salvation of God. I am not God. Only you who works 24-7 and has control all of this, who's created all this, can stop this and manage it. And I admit that. That's a voice of salvation. I need help. I need rescue. I need refuge. I need something beyond myself. And in that moment, that's an admission that I'm not God and that you are and that I need you. That's an admission of salvation, that I'm here to govern and steward. Creation but you're the creator And in some moments I think that I'm the creator and I have all Power because of whatever but I really Don't it's in those Moments that it gets out of control that we recognize Man, I just thought I was god And acting like god for a moment And i've lost it I'm a steward Of creation. How is technology Changing you Listen this week some of you tried to call me, and you couldn't get me It's because my phone was down. And there was panic in the house because people could hear it ring, and I did not answer it. And my kids thought, my wife thought, "Is there? do you have a fever? Is there something wrong? And I said, no, I'm trying to be a steward. I'm trying to govern. It doesn't own me. Now, I want to own a 120-inch TV. Let's talk about that. But my phone is not going to own me this week. That's my challenge for you. Maybe on your phone, we've got a, we've got a wallpaper for you that's this, this 3D connected that you can download. Maybe your phone is a wallpaper, and you can put it there just to remind you over these next few weeks that, that uh, my phone doesn't own me, but I own it. Or maybe you just need to download a picture of a brick. And put that on the back of your phone and say, this is just a brick. This is just a tool. This thing isn't going to make me famous. This isn't about me. This is a, a tool of productivity and of and, and, and connection. But it is not something that is about my life. My life, I am going to govern it and own it. And then maybe also this week, maybe you just need to say, hey, I'm not God. And just, I need to surrender. Surrender. And that you need to cry out in salvation to say, I need God. I'm not. And so if that's your cry this week, this, 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 this morning, then be reminded that what Jesus did on the cross, he cried out for us and gave his life so that we could have a relationship. As image bearers of God, our souls could be satisfied through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And that we can govern accordingly as the image bearers of Christ, as followers of him. Let's pray together. Father, we admit technology of all types controls us. Father, may we be better stewards. May we govern the technology that you've blessed us with in our life. May we allow you to have control in those areas. Father, may we admit, maybe even in some places we're addicted and we need to set it down and remove it. Father, maybe even for some of us, we need to remove screens from our home, from our life, or we need to have accountability for those things. Father, our desire as followers of Jesus is to know you and grow in our relationship with you. And if those things keep us from that, then we want to get rid of it or do something to manage it. Father, maybe today we just need to surrender to you for the first time. May we do that. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.